0: Welcome to Caribbean Real Estate Podcast, where we discuss everything real estate with experts from all across the Caribbean. If you are looking to learn how to buy, sell, renovate, and invest in real estate in the Caribbean, this podcast is for you. Here is your host, Dan Merriam, real estate investor, developer, and citizen of Antigua and Barbuda.
1: Hello, everyone. We are here in a beautiful caribbean and uh the island of antigua and of course i'm uh, sandy mckay here we're here to talk with uh an awesome guest today and learn a lot about investments uh and what those options look like here in the caribbean if you're watching you see my very sunny background beautiful ocean in the background and um run uh run a property that's uh, got some some interest with uh, our guest here Dan Merriam and uh, we're gonna learn a lot about what he's been doing why he's transitioned some of his investments from Canada into the Caribbean what the pros and cons of that have been what he's learned and uh, you know but his backstory and some lessons in uh, in investments that take us well beyond Canada and into into the Caribbean so excited to learn about this with you Dan and um, Excited to get this opportunity to interview you and, uh, and, and learn about this because, uh, I know you've learned a lot about this in the last few years and, and even longer than that when you've been looking into it. So, um, I guess they welcome to the show, but I don't, I don't, we haven't really decided you know, how this is going to be used. I think, well, I think we're both welcoming each other to, to the show.
0: <laughs> um, sure.
1: but thanks for the yeah. opportunity. This is going to be fun.
0: Yeah. I'm excited about this. Um, we've got some cool things to talk about and, uh, and yeah, take it away. Let's go. Well,
1: why don't we start with uh, learning a little bit about your background before you ended up where where, where you are here today. Why don't we learn about um, how you got into real estate in the first place and why you were excited about real estate. Um, you started out focused in Canada and let's learn about how
0: you got really got started in this whole crazy real estate world. Yeah, man. Um, well, I grew up uh, just outside of Toronto, kind of like you and, uh, and just been around uh, Canadian investors my whole life. Um, I always knew that real estate was going to be one of my first big investments um, or you know the first big investment and um, started out um, you know working odd jobs, like as as a teenager, actually, I was, I was thinking through this. My first job was actually Dickie D ice cream. I don't know if I've ever told you that, but the summer I turned 13, I I rode one of those bikes around selling ice cream at like baseball games and stuff. So that was like my first straight commission job and uh, kind of taught me a lot. And I've worked in other sales roles, sport check, foot locker, sold cars for a while um, my career was in the music business, uh, buying and selling pianos, of all things, and anywhere from like, you know, $500 keyboards to $150,000 hand-built pianos. So I've, I've tried a few different things, but, but really all of those odd jobs are what taught me to make money and ultimately what, what allowed me to save some money. So um, uh, when I was in college, uh, my landlord, um, who was an investor, started talking to me about buying real estate and encouraging me to get my first home. And, uh, and actually kind of pushed me into it at, at 24, I didn't feel ready. I had maybe 35,000 saved and, uh, and she basically said, you know, I'll, I'll front whatever the down payment you can, and, you know, let's go, let's go house shopping. So, and, you know, she, she was experienced and kind of knew the neighborhoods and within, I don't know, maybe a month we locked a place up. Um, I closed the place. And uh, and then you know within a year refinanced the place, paid her back, and bought a second home. So that was kind of a whirlwind. I was working at the time. I bought a second property in Hamilton actually in 2011, and that property, uh, um, yeah, it, it was a nightmare. I remember um, working like nights and weekends on the place, having no skills as a tradesperson. It was just you know just a shit show. But uh, I got through it and, and actually still own that property today. So that that's that's how I got uh, got started in investing. Beautiful Hamilton, Ontario. A uh, place both yeah, of us know well.
1: And, uh, you know, you were probably getting in on that market at a time where uh, most people maybe didn't see what it could be or, or has become in a lot of ways. Still lots of uh, gentrification happening. But at that time, you know, 2011, you mentioned, it was, uh, it was a lot of uglier, I'll say for lack of a better word than it is today. There's a lot more, there's a lot less money there. There's a lot, the prices were nowhere near what they are today. How did you, did, did you think about that when you were looking at Hamilton? Was that a, was it a, a an up and coming spot that you liked or was it just cheap and <laughs> all you could afford?
0: Well, it's a good question. It actually brings me back to why Hamilton, I, um, I was selling a piano to this kind of eccentric dude who, uh, who I got to know a little bit. And I, and I asked him, what do you do? And he's like, uh, I'm, I'm an investor and I'm renovating a castle in Hamilton. And I'm like, that's a bit of an oxymoron. Like, you know, it, I, I think of Hamilton as at the time kind yeah. of the armpit of Ontario, right? And so he started showing me pictures of this castle and what he was doing. there. I'm like, this is crazy. And I, I never even thought of Hamilton. This was probably like maybe 2009. Um, and, uh, I was already thinking real estate. So that actually led me to looking at the MLS and seeing houses for sale there for like a hundred grand. I'm like, what? And it was so close to Burlington where everything was probably more like 250, 300 at the time, which I know sounds ridiculous, but, uh, but yeah, that, that's kind of how I ended up in Hamilton. And I know you have kind of a a similar story of of how you discovered Hamilton and our, our timing was very similar. I remember that, but, um. And then drove through Hamilton for the first time, uh, like downtown, maybe, maybe six months later, and just started exploring the city. And the first neighborhood I discovered was Bayfront um, and the uh, West Harbour neighborhood. And it just blew my mind that you could pick a place up here for 150 grand, um, like right beside this waterfront, marina, parks. Like it was just so. Yeah, that that's how I originally, you know, ended up in uh, in in Hamilton. That's where I uh, kind of fell in love with the city. So
1: yeah I think that's one thing I've, I've realized but you have a bit of a knack for for noticing opportunities a, a little farther in advance than most people might, and that's you kind of explain that there where you're just like, this, is, this doesn't make sense. The number don't make the numbers don't make sense from what you're looking at in terms of location, opportunity, quality of life, et cetera. and the values just were off right. And I think that's um, probably part, partly partly due to your lessons learned through pianos and other industries that have probably helped you identify opportunities like that and i think that's um certainly when you and and i as well got into the Hamilton market that was it was it was ripe for opportunity a lot of people argue it still is today but back then it was just didn't make sense that close to toronto that close to a great place like burlington which is a a top city to live in, in 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 canada and being half or even less than half the price just didn't make
0: sense right You know, you're right. And thank you. I, uh, I think we called that opportunity early, but I also, I also feel sometimes that I was too early. And, um, and I say that because I actually thought that things would change faster and some neighborhoods, you know, I, I, everything in Hamilton's gone up, but some neighborhoods actually haven't transitioned very well and others have. So I think, you know, that's the first step in identifying, you know, a market of interest is, is having that kind of hunch. But at the end of the day, you really need to dive deep and, and research and, and really walk the neighborhoods and understand them and get a feel for them to, I guess, become an expert. But but yeah.
1: Yeah. So let's talk about a bit about, you know, what you, what you did there over the last 10 years, 10 years plus. Uh, what were some of the strategies that worked? What didn't work? What did you learn along the way there investing in Hamilton? You you you've, you had some different types of properties, multifamily, single family, um, Airbnb, you've done a a bunch of different strategies there. So what was, what were some of the lessons you learned and what, you know, what worked, what didn't.
0: Yeah. um, You don't have to be a genius to make money in the Canadian real estate market in the last five years. Like, and and I think a lot of people would agree with that and um, everything's basically doubled up, you know, one way or another. Um, And so um, but some have tripled, some have quadrupled, you know, some have four, five x. So I, I think um, there's obviously strategy involved in, in investing. And um, yeah, when I when I um, quit my job and um, and actually, by the way, that investor who helped me buy my first home also convinced me to quit my job and I guess it was 2013 and start investing full time. And the next year, I moved into the basement of that triplex I have and. You know, I remember the walls weren't even insulated yet. And that winter was like freezing. And, but I saw it as, you know, free place to live. I had tenants upstairs paying my mortgage. It cost me nothing. I had sold my home. So I had, you know, a bit of cash, a bit of capital to start out investing. And, um, and so I'd say one of the things that worked well um, was I really loved what I was doing. And I was kind of obsessed with the, I guess, you know, becoming an expert. Right. And I would spend hours looking at listings and talking to agents and finding out what properties have sold for. And then a few years later, I um, was able to get access to some you know, different systems to allow me to see, like, have a deeper dive into um, what things actually are selling for. And, you know, some different data points around the market that I was interested in. So um, I decided to focus on just a small part of Hamilton, just the downtown core, and then some specific neighborhoods within that. The um, um, But yeah, I'd spend hours learning about, actually learning about what other investors were doing and following what they were buying and what, and more importantly, what they actually paid for their investments. Because, you know, a lot of people go into a market are shopping around and they say they're looking for a deal, but they, they, I almost think they wouldn't know what a deal was if it hit them in the face because they haven't actually spent the hundreds of hours doing the research. Right. So, um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, and yeah, and Hamilton I, I on that point was a great neighborhood because it's so, you know, the neighborhoods are so eclectic. There's so many different types of structures. There's, Um, a lot of really old homes that needed a lot of work and a lot of like strange commercial properties in different neighborhoods that have had like weird additions. And so um, yeah, just like, I don't know, oodles of value add opportunities that that were all over the place. So, um, but yeah, so what worked well becoming an expert on my target area and maybe not stretching myself too thin in terms of like where I was looking like, you know, I wasn't looking in Windsor. I wasn't even looking in Niagara. I was really just focused on downtown Hamilton um and then i would say uh what didn't work i spent a lot of time doing things that i probably shouldn't have and i tried to do everything myself and i didn't do a great job of leveraging so one example of this was i for the first five years as an investor i was my own gc and i just didn't have the experience i wasn't a construction guy you know, I I couldn't do a backsplash if my life depended on it. Now I've done a lot of painting and door handles and demolition and garbage, but still like, I I just didn't have the the knowledge and experience to do that. Wasn't organized enough from a project management standpoint to manage that. So I ended up paying the same price for trades. It took three times longer. I spent a lot of time on it and, you know, having that perspective, I think was helpful. But um, if I spent that same time on you know, higher value activities, like, you know, um, you know, maybe, maybe spending more time becoming an expert or, or finding money partners or understanding finance better, or you know, having a job and generating more income. So I get more financing like that. That's probably what I should have done in my time uh, with my time. So that that's, that's one mistake I made. And I only realized it when I hired a GC and boom, like my whole life changed. Um, and uh, it was like, you know, freedom, so, uh, yeah, very common, very common uh, mistake, right? Like people, people
1: struggle with leverage. It's a That's a very, very common mistake. Uh, mistake is not necessarily the right word. It's a very common challenge for people. It's not always a mistake. You learn through it, right? You certainly learn things that you might not have otherwise. Um, it definitely slows you down in terms of how big you can go. That's for sure. And scalability and, and all that. And, um, so there's, you know, every, there's no right or wrong depends on the, on the life and the business you're building, but um, certainly it it does hinder your, your scalability at least. Um, So throughout that time, you know, we don't want to focus all our time here on Hamilton and Canada. I know there's uh, lots to be said about that. Really what we want to get, you know, transition into here in this, in this conversation is a lot about um, other markets and other, other areas that you've looked at and you've certainly done well in Hamilton. It's, It's helped you get to where you are today and give you opportunities to explore different markets And I know this is not a brand new thing because I know we've talked about this years ago where you were exploring the Caribbean. I I would say other markets. I think it's probably mostly the Caribbean, but what what markets have you looked at in the past and why did you actually end up settling on uh, and focusing on the Caribbean?
0: Good question. Um, I'll backtrack just a little bit and and talk about a a book that you know well. Um, What originally got me on this, I don't know, tip was... 10 years ago i read a book called uh, real estate investing in canada by don campbell part of the uh, acre series i think and yeah. um it's a pretty well known book and one of the chapters talks about the personal beliefs right the the concept of you know why are you investing what what are what's your kind of big picture long term goal and for me it was always a warm place to take friends and family in the winter you know on a private beach or on the water and um And uh, and and I always thought that it would be either, you know, Florida or the Caribbean or or just somewhere warm. Right. And so um, and so that's kind of what I was always working towards. It it wasn't really a reality until maybe four or five years ago. So I started, you know, just kind of dabbling and looking at listings. And um, once my portfolio started to get a little more hands off, once I've had a bit of success, um, I uh, started thinking more about that. And then what? What actually led me down this path? Um, it actually started working with you years ago, Sandy. We uh, uh, we'd, we'd already been working together on kind of the real estate uh, transaction side, but you hired me to do a year contract when you were growing um, K Realty Network, and that uh, first of all made me you know want to work with people again and want to try different things, and and I really liked that. I, I really enjoyed that role and learned a lot. Um, The next contract I took was in Guangzhou, China, with a friend of mine. I actually grew up with him, and he's a very successful business, Um, and uh, he does contract manufacturing. and kind of acts as a middleman between people that want to uh, build a product, actually often Kickstarter uh, um, founders or or, um, success stories, and then then connects them with factories all over China and suppliers all over China. So that was another really cool experience, one-year contract. Um, I remember I went back and forth to Guangzhou, like six round trips in like six months. And those 15 and a half hour flights are, you know, brutal. And I wasn't, I wasn't business class. So, uh, but I did get the window seat every time, but yeah, that, uh, that, that was a, that was a cool year, really good experience. I, I loved, I loved, I didn't love living in China, but I loved the idea of traveling and living internationally. And so at the tail end of that, contract we were on our way back to China and I decided to meet my uh my the owner and founder in in Bali and just kind of hang out for a few weeks and this was February 2020 so he um decided to stay a little longer and then Wuhan happened and his team was telling him to get back and you know Bali's great so we decided to stay another week and boom the everything just China just completely locked down And, um, although he'd lived there eight years, like the guy's got a hundred pairs of shoes there and, you know, probably 200 hats, you know, his whole life is there. He's got 30 staff and it was just, yeah, he got shut out for 10 months so he couldn't get back to his home. So we kind of got stuck in Bali for four or five months. Like there was an opportunity to go back to Canada, but I kind of just said, you know, I'm staying here. This is great. So, uh, it went from like busy, crazy tourist, uh, spot to like you know riding your uh motorcycle on these beautiful country roads and it was just it was amazing so yeah so getting stuck in bali was was kind of part of that international experience that i really enjoyed during that time i was already thinking about you know selling some properties in canada you know living outside of canada relocating and um and then working with a group of guys on a startup for 18 months that i actually met in bali also kind of led me down that path and maybe even pushed me to uh, become an expat and, and leave Canada. So um, won't get into too much, you know, too much detail there. But, uh, um, but yeah, during that, I guess, last five years, I visited 15 new countries, maybe 20, um, and started thinking about you know, where I could own, uh, where I could have that place for friends and family to visit which then I started looking at you know, Southeast Asia and I discovered that in Malaysia, you can actually, uh, Malaysia is really the only place in Southeast Asia. And there's you know, some small exceptions, but it's the only place in Southeast Asia that has like a British system of ownership. So you can actually own land, you can own buildings, you can own properties there. In a lot of these countries, you can really only own condos and there's even restrictions on that ownership or have like land leases. So Malaysia was appealing and they also had a, um, residence program that that's pretty famous actually called MM2H for Malaysia, my second home. And I was looking at that because it was just, you know, a, a great program that allowed you to live in Malaysia, come and go. Um, there was a very, very low, uh, low tax corporate tax, low personal tax and Malaysia was pretty livable. I'd spent some, I spent a few months there, you know, years before that. And so, um, but then I started thinking, you know, but that led me down another rabbit hole of, you know, all the different residence programs, all the different uh, citizenship by investment programs and where I can invest. And so um, for more than two years, I looked at all of these different programs and uh, and looked at a lot of different markets. So.
1: And so, uh, yeah, and funny, you were mentioning China that I was thinking because we went for, uh, you know, I'm hanging out with you here in Antigua, learning about some of the stuff myself down here. And we went for a, a nice Nice jog yeah. down the beach and everything today, what, amazing air and fresh sea breeze. And it's probably not the same in, in, in uh, Guangzhou, China, when you're out for, uh, for a run and trying to live. A, it's, not, it's not just about the investment opportunities in these. It's all about the general lifestyle and, and what you can create for yourself, yeah. right? Yeah.
0: China is a cool place. I love China. I could live in China for a month. But yeah, running in Guangzhou is a nightmare doesn't matter the time of the year i remember running with one of those like dust masks on with like the actual filter in it because you you know you felt sick after a run if you didn't do that you know we're used to running in canada right Um, one day i was walking around guangzhou with a buddy and i'm like man look that that moon's really beautiful and he looks over at me and says bro that's not the moon That's that's the sun. Crazy. Right, Just yeah, you, know, the you can't even talk. Was so bad that day that you could look straight at it, right? So anyways, kinda but uh but yeah, China China was a cool experience for sure. Okay, so then not, not um
1: miserable. and then yeah, COVID happens. You get hit with uh you, you spend time in um, Bali for the most part and Malaysia, etc. But you, you end up finally landing on the Caribbean, it's really the focus. And so what were the, what were the, was it, was it looking at the different, um, uh, the different opportunities in terms of visas and things like that, that led you to the Caribbean or what, what was it that attracted you to the Caribbean ultimately uh, after going
0: through the whole Asian experience and everything? You know, if you look at the whole world and, and all of these different, um, you know, places to live, uh, whether it's residence programs or citizenship by investment or, you know, just somewhere livable, uh, there really aren't a lot of options if you're looking for a place with, you know, good flight access, uh, excellent weather, um, English speaking, which was important for me. Um, and uh, you know, something safe, you know, pretty good expat community, good place to invest in real estate. At least those were the boxes that I was looking to check off. And um, you know, Malaysia and Singapore are great, but they're just too far. Um, Portugal was actually a place I seriously considered. Um, it wasn't a perfect fit, but but it, it is a beautiful place to live and actually it's blowing up right now. It's attracting a yeah. ton of digital nomads and work remote people, like especially in the last couple of years. You know, Spain's great. Costa Rica is another great place that I visited That that's pretty livable. You can get by without English, but I, I think if I was going to live there, I'd want to speak Spanish. Um, and it really wasn't really wasn't my jam. Um, you you probably remember me talking about Turks and Caicos like 4 years ago and uh, that market's done you know crazy well over the last few years but um, yeah and I probably could have paid someone you know 25 grand to give me all of this advice and save me the hundreds of hours of research but I kind of I kind of enjoy it. It's like shopping for a good deal on a flight or an accommodation or you know planning planning a trip. We've talked about this. It's, it's something you kind of enjoy so you do it. So um, but yeah, when I was, my, my criteria was pretty simple. It had to check off all those boxes and the Caribbean just was that perfect fit, right? It's the flights are four or five hours, depending on where you are. Um, certain islands are very safe, very nice, very livable. Um, there's a lot of English speaking options, good, good community of expats. Um, and, uh, and I feel, you know, almost like Hamilton in 2011, I, I, From the research I've done, I feel that a lot of these islands are just crazy undervalued and underappreciated. And the whole work remote kind of uh, shift that is happening is just opening up like so many possibilities down here. Like I'll I'll give you one quick example. So Antigua in October of 2020, just before I arrived down here um, for the first time, Um, upgraded their internet and you were running, I don't know, two, five megabytes a second. And now it's 50 megabytes a second everywhere on the island LTE. Um, That's like a, that's a massive difference. It's a difference between being able to have a zoom call or not being able to do this or not. It's a difference between being able to really work remotely versus not. And so, and you're seeing this happen all over the Caribbean. there's probably 10 more things just like this that are happening that are making the Caribbean an attractive place. So, um, so yeah, that, that's, I, I feel like Hamilton in 2011, there's just you know a lot of value here and uh, maybe 10 or 12 islands that are all just very exciting. So um, yeah, it's easy to get. Well, it
1: so, and, and so talk to, talk to us about some of those islands because you, you ultimately uh, for now, I've invested in the Antigua, bought some, bought a bunch of properties here and yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here in Antigua with you today. I, mean, I can vouch for it to a pretty awesome place. You also explored some others and places I've known and I haven't been before for, for the most part. I've been to maybe a couple of them, but um, what other islands are really interesting for you right now? And which ones do you consider, like strongly consider before actually landing
0: in Antigua? So I think there's a pecking order of value or a pecking order of of islands down here. And I would start with, like, Cayman, which is almost the gold standard for, like, living that, you know, Caribbean life. And it has been for a long time. Um, it's almost, it's really known as a tax haven. But real estate in the last 10 years has blown up there. I was talking to a lawyer there. And he's like, I had an opportunity to buy a beach house 15 years ago on, I think, is it Seven Mile Beach? That's the big uh, Caribbean. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Or, or This big, is the yeah, one I have been to. There. Seven
1: Mile Beach. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, there you go. So... Um, And he was like, "Yeah, I could have bought it for like a hundred grand U.S." And I'm kicking myself. It's probably worth two and a half million. So um, Cayman right now, and and especially during the pandemic, has increased a lot in value. Like things like properties are starting at two thousand U.S. a square foot there for a condo. You know, beach houses are just ridiculous. And I've watched other markets like Turks and Caicos follow that kind of same trend. Actually, Turks and Caicos is really hot right now. In the last three years, it's probably tripled in value um, in a lot of neighborhoods. Um, So yeah, some of the British territories are starting to get more expensive. I I think there's still some opportunity there, but the price points are a lot higher. Um, And then I guess the next layer down from that are former British territories. You could even add like French and Dutch islands to the list, like Saint-Martin, Saint-Martin. martinique Guadeloupe, but the islands for me that are exciting obviously antigua and uh i started buying here last year and i've already seen i don't know 25 30 percent uptick in the neighborhoods that i've been buying um just you know just from interest and i've been talking to agents down here and there's starting to be a there's starting to be there's i think an inventory problem is is going to be the issue down here i don't think they're going to be able to build fast enough um, I, uh, but yeah, former, former British territories like St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia is another cool spot. Um, even some of the less developed islands like Dominica, uh, St. Vincent. Um, Barbados is another opportunity I like. Um, it's, uh, it's been kind of an extension of the Canadian economy since the 80s, since they, they had a tax treaty with Canada. So they have a pretty developed economy. But yeah, all of these islands have their own idiosyncrasies. And it really depends on, you know, price point in the category of property that you're looking at buying. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, all of those are, are, are interesting. Um, and uh, worth, worth exploring for sure.
1: Uh, as a, you know, as a investing tr- mostly in, in Canada for myself and, and a lot of others may be watching or listening to this, um, you know, a lot of people get caught up on the financing side and they, they see their money going pretty far in Canada when they can invest with 20% down, 5% down, 0% down perhaps in, in some creative ways. How, uh, how does the financing work it, generally? I know there's probably some very, you know, changes throughout the different countries, but what's that whole landscape look like in the Caribbean? Is it, is it possible to get financing? Is it not? Um, what have you learned?
0: This is still a nut that I've been trying to crack for the last year. And um, I think a short answer to your question is it's difficult. Um, but possible. Um, and uh, I, I think I think that's one of the big things that are holding the Caribbean back right now. Is there's just generally a lot of friction in the transaction process. And I think, especially for people that just want to come down and buy a beautiful villa or invest in a you know commercial or multifamily property, um, it's pretty daunting for someone who has never done it before. And it's not a language barrier. I I wouldn't even say it's a cultural barrier, but um, yeah, there's a lot of friction in the transaction process. It's hard to get things done. Um, You know, sometimes there's a lack of transparency. Like if you look at um, some of these islands, they don't have a real estate association. You don't need a license to be a real estate agent. And I I think that um, that can be problematic. So, um, but I believe that over the next five or 10 years, more of these islands are going to start looking to, you know, places like Canada or the U S and start adopting those kind of um, you know, rules and regulations to, to help solve those issues. But back to financing um, I, I also think there's a few things that need to change almost at a um, at a government level in order to give the banks or give lenders the confidence to um, to uh, to provide capital and, and fund mortgages down here and so um but uh but yeah it's 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 really it's it's island by island so for instance some of the larger more developed economies down here like cayman you can get a mortgage Um, even barbados there's an opportunity there although it's difficult Antigua, you can do it but you know some require you to be a resident some require um uh you know a lot of a lot of details you know, plan on it taking six months, which isn't very practical when you're buying a new property and it closes in three or four, right? So, um, so, so, yeah, there's, there's, there's definitely challenges there. One thing I've discovered is you're seeing more private lenders in the space. And I think that's, you know, as just a tip to, let's say, uh, expats that want to invest in a, you know, $2 million villa down here, for instance. Uh, there are some private lenders that will do like a one-year term which allows you to close and then gives you time to get a mortgage. So there's some strategies like that that exist. There's a few others I've discovered, but, um, but uh, it's possible. And I think it's only going to get easier. That's, that's my, uh, that's my take.
1: Um, VTBs from the the current, is that a thing uh, they see much of or, uh, you know, where the, where the current owner is going to, you know, you put a whatever percent down payment and they'll hold the rest of the mortgage for, you know, a time, like you said, a year, two years, something like that. I would
0: say that's one. That's one big cultural difference between the Caribbean and, let's say, Canada or the U.S. Is a lot of people don't finance their homes down here. A lot of people right. don't leverage. Right? It's a lot of cash. You know, even um, successful professionals and business owners down here, they're stacking cash. Right? A lot of them are investing in super low risk products, and I'm not. I'm not trying to paint the whole Caribbean with one. You know, one broad brush, but uh, but from what I've discovered, a lot of people just hold on to to cash. So um, VTBs are rare, although there are opportunities for VTBs. I've I've talked to sellers who are willing to do VTBs, but I I think it really depends on their specific situation, and and really I, I think like anything, it's it's working out a win win for for both the seller and the, and the purchaser so um but yeah those creative strategies i I think are what you really need um in order to get things done down here especially at this at this stage so so what about getting what about even just getting your money in to purchase these places is there any challenges with that that's
1: i've heard you know people worried about that and maybe different experience with that there are made there are major canadian banks here right there's cibc um there's scotia banks in the caribbean I, i believe td probably others rbc um Maybe all the major banks are, are in one way or another in the Caribbean. There's a, a lot of Canadian banks. We do know Canadian ha- Canadians have. We have one of the biggest, greatest banking systems in the world. Yeah. Um, it, it seems to me that because they're here, there must be there must be some sort of a trending path there where they're going to develop more of those systems here and create a better structure. Is that something? Maybe maybe you don't know about that. Maybe it's something you might have a bit of foresight on, but. Um, that's what I would think just, just seems to make sense. But yeah. I mean, the original question, just getting your money in, is there any challenges with that or is
0: that easy? Getting your money in is not hard. Setting up a bank account in the Caribbean is a little challenging as a non-resident. You basically can't do it right. There's, there's exceptions to that, but if you just walk into a bank and say, I'd like to set up a bank account, you know, first of all, it's, it's not a short process. And if you're not a resident, there's some challenges there. Um, But, yeah, actually getting your money in to buy property here, um, it's not hard. I I think you have to be a little more cautious of, you know, who you give that money to and how you wire it. And and there's some less protections there, although most of the islands use a British common law system. So um, I I don't have huge concerns there. Uh, The Canadian banks in in the Caribbean have been here since the 60s, actually. And RBC, Scotia, CIBC still have a presence here. RBC and Scotia have actually left a lot of the smaller islands. So for instance, Antigua no longer has RBC in Scotia. They were bought by a local operator. They still have CIBC first Caribbean. And so, um, so that, that is kind of helpful, but I actually think that working with local banks here, um, you'll have more success getting a mortgage, but it's really Island specific from what I've discovered, like getting a mortgage in Cayman is very different than getting a mortgage in Dominica or, or, uh, or a more developed island like Antigua or Saint Kitts, right? Um, so it's it's kind of island specific, and uh, and um, and it's helpful to know someone on the ground who knows how to do that and has some banking connections. And it's you know it, it's you know it's not what you know, it's who you know. But you know, times ten compared to uh, a market like Canada, you you really have to you really have to know the right people and and, uh, and know people that can help you get things done. I think that's one of the biggest hurdles that would, that would be, that would be, that's up there for me
1: in terms of the biggest, if I were thinking of myself investing here without, without knowing you or without knowing any others that are around on the ground, sort of boots on the ground, doing stuff here. Um, that would be probably my biggest, um, biggest roadblock potentially, or just fear, I guess, in a way, just it, it, very hard to, yeah. to, you know, if I'm in Canada, I, 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 I have full confidence to go buy a house in, pick any place in Canada, you know, in, in Halifax and DC and Alberta and Windsor and where somewhere where I'm not every day, I can, I can navigate that pretty easily, but coming yeah. down here to the Caribbean, there has to be a, the trust level needs to be quite a bit higher, I think, and you need to really know what's going on. There's a lot more, it's just a lot, it's just different, right? It's not, not our comfort level.
0: Yeah. Um, well, in all that well, friction yeah. and all that difficulty, I, I really see as an opportunity Right. When we first landed in Hamilton, there was some friction, like, you know, really rough neighborhoods, really run down properties, maybe even a challenge finding good trades that that don't have to travel too far. So um, I think the level of friction here is on another level. Don't get me wrong, but I, I see it as a as a big opportunity. Um, there's one thing I've discovered is that if you can show that a property is cash flowing and you have it set up you know, properly in a corp, banks will lend on it. And I think a lot of banks have an appetite for larger deals. Um, and a lot of lenders wanna see larger deals. So um, I think growing, you know, uh, growing a larger portfolio down here um, is, is a good strategy. Um, generally loan to value is around 65%, which is, is good, but it's often on the appraised value. So if you, if you have a portfolio of properties that you've, you know, let's say closed on cash or closed on private and you've held them for two, three years, Um, when you go to get financing, they're going to look at the appraised value, which is often it, I find the appraisals here actually aren't as conservative as I've seen in Canada. So um, that 65 really becomes maybe, I don't know, 80, 90% of of your actual cost base. So, um, so, so yeah, there, there are strategies, but yeah, for sure, Sandy, it's, it's a, it's, it's a different game down here um, in in terms of investing and, um, and yeah, you, you, yeah, there's there, there's some challenges for sure.
1: Well, I like the I like the perspective of the, of the of it being an opportunity because you know we know that yeah. in the world in general in any business investments, um, the bigger problem you solve is the bigger payout and the bigger win at the end of the day. So <clears throat> when people are scared, people are nervous. It's the same as any up and down market. Right when people are forget the exact Warren Buffett quota on that, but you know when people are fearful and. Uh, and you are not. You're going to win pretty big often, and uh, and and so be greedy when others are fearful. I guess is and, yep. and so by coming down here by being quote unquote greedy and just 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 taking action and, and and solving the problems, which are solvable. They're just challenges. They're not they're not unsolvable challenges. You know, there's some big big opportunity and big wins. So that yep. being said, what are what are some of your plans here? You bought you bought a bunch of properties here in the last what six months a year. Um, you're gonna, fi- uh, you know, running a similar model to to what I've seen you do many times in Canada, essentially a a burr model, if we could call it that. Buy, renovate, refinance, buy, renovate, rent. Maybe refinance, maybe not. I guess that's the wild card there. But um, I know you're also on your path to, to being a resident here, so that certainly helps with that. Would. So before you get to what you're gonna do here, actually, let's. I I missed asking you about getting you know, becoming a resident here and then that process. Can you touch on that a little bit and how that's been?
0: Sure. Um, I, uh, well, I was looking through all the different residence programs. Um, one thing that was attractive about Antigua is they actually have a citizenship by investment program. And which basically allows you to purchase real estate here and become a citizen. And it's not a, you know, five-year process through naturalization. You literally buy the property, invest the money within four months, you and your whole family have a passport, which was just very attractive for, uh, for me. And, and as a Canadian, that, that passport, you know, might not be as valuable as it would be for, for someone from Africa. Like Nigeria is a very popular place for citizenship by investment, because a lot of them, a lot of businessmen in Nigeria want to do business internationally and their passport just doesn't allow for them to have those visa-free travel privileges. You know, other countries around the world, it's the same. For me, it gives me ties to Antigua. I look at it as almost, I don't know, a plan B, and I'm not a doomsday scenario kind of guy, but having a second passport is, is, is a value, I believe. Um, and the other thing is, is the Caribbean, like the European Union, actually has an economic zone called CARICOM. And as a passport holder, there are some other benefits when you know, investing in other islands, having corporations in other islands. So being a CARICOM citizen is valuable. Um, There's five other citizenship by investment programs. I liked Antigua, um, but, you know, St. Kitts and Nevis is another popular one. It's kind of the the grandfather of CIP or citizenship by investment It started in 1983, whereas Antigua didn't have a program until 2013. So so there's a few different paths to residence. You don't actually have to um, invest in citizenship like Antigua also has a digital nomad visa. And you're seeing a few more of those types of visas pop up around the Caribbean. But uh, that's kind of the, that's kind of the route I took. Cool.
1: Yeah, I I certainly, uh, throughout COVID and everything that's changed over the last few years, I've certainly heard a lot more people get interested in that, in that path and what it looks like, whether they actually do it or not, you know, we'll see. But definitely there's a lot more intrigue in that. There's a lot more creative, you know, strategies, opportunities. You can work remote so much more now, right? So coming down here for three months, two months, six months of the year is a lot more viable than it ever, ever could have been in, in, in the past. Right. So um, yep. yeah, certainly it's, it's interesting. I see, just, I see a lot more, I like you, I do see a lot more activity down this way from North Americans, let's say certainly Canadians and, yep. um, and, and there's options. So there's, so all that being said, what, what, what are your plans here? What do you, what are you, what are you foreseeing in the future for yourself in terms of um,
0: real estate and what you're doing here? Think about that all the time, and I'll I'll be honest. When I when I came down here, other than you know buying a nice place to live, picking up some rental properties, I didn't really know, and it wasn't much difference when I different when I left. Uh, I I was living in Oakville originally before I moved to Hamilton, and I'd lived in Oakville and Mississauga basically my whole life. I grew up in Mississauga, lived in Oakville for ten years, and I went to Hamilton just kind of with the mindset that I wanted to be on the ground and I wanted to start doing things and, um, and started, started investing there. So yeah, when I arrived in Antigua and, and decided to move here, I'd actually never been here before. Um, and I just spent time exploring it and within two, three months, I'm like, Oh, this is home. This feels great. I, I love it here. It's a perfect place to spend, I don't know, six months out of the year, or maybe more. So, um, so yeah, I, I was, and so yeah, I think about this all the time. And you know, Sandy, we know we know a lot of people back in, let's say, Hamilton, um, investors who've made a big impact, right? Their um, their portfolios, their um, like the guy who renovated uh, King William, um, Steve. He he completely formed that, transformed that whole strip and that whole neighborhood. And we've seen that you know over and over again in, in a market like Hamilton. And and actually, I think Hamilton's about to you know tip over in that sense with all the high rise developments. So, um, yeah, we've, we, we know people that have made a big impact. Um, and in an Island with, I don't know, a hundred thousand people, um, you can make a big impact and, and that's, what's exciting for yeah. me. And whether it's a hundred thousand or 300,000 people there, they're, they're, they're not, they're small islands. Right. And, and there's a lot of opportunity for development. So, um, and uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm actively looking for strategic partnerships and attracting partners down here. I'm meeting as many people as I can. I try to, I try to meet at least 10 new people a week um, through Zoom calls and, and face-to-face. And, and that's worked really well, kind of forced myself to do that. Um, this past winter, um, after being here for almost a year, I was just, you know, talking to different friends and family. You know, we had some great discussions around investing down here and what that looks like. But there was one buddy I was talking to who, you know, Sean, and um, I was just telling him what I wanted to do. And, and one regret that I have in the past was I was a bit of a lone wolf investor, you know, really just focused on buying my own properties, having control over the process, um, you know, using private financing, basically. And I regret not partnering with more people on deals in um in hamilton i regret not buying more property you know one because you know the values have gone up but the main reason is i think i would have had a lot more fun in the process i think i would have enjoyed myself more um you know popping a bottle of champagne by yourself when you sell a property yourself isn't nearly as fun as doing with other people right so i uh i was talking um so i was talking to sean about how i can bring money to the caribbean to invest in property how i can you know, open up these opportunities for other investors, whether it's in Canada or another country. And within maybe a few hours of talking, he came back to me with, you know, a piece of paper and said, this is what you should do. And he basically explained how a asset management company works and real estate funds work. Um, He's in the institutional investor space and has a lot of experience there and basically said, you know, this is what we should should design and, and I'm happy to help you kind of design it so that led me down kind of a path of you know making a goal i'm going to raise 25 million in in private equity this year and bring it to the caribbean Um, which led me to you know talk to you about it talk to a few friends about it so um so one of the things i'm working on right now is uh we're going through all the legal work to set up a fund in canada and uh and it's something i'm excited to work with you on sandy we've got a few other guys that want to do it And the seven partners have also agreed to do a fund in the Caribbean. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. We're uh, we're looking to raise 25 to 35 million down here to start um, for the first uh, first fund in our series, and really focus on that work remote, um, even digital nomad, but really more work remote um, kind of theme, and um, and also uh, Caribbean diaspora. And I'll, I'll, I'll unpack that quickly for you. Um, so work remote, I I think a lot of people are going to go from that one week vacation at Sandals to saying, I'm going to spend a month or two in Antigua and I'm going to look for, you know, a nice, a nice apartment or maybe a villa to post up with my family and, you know, work and have some fun and, and, you know, have a beautiful place for the kids. And there's online school now, and, you know, most of the parents can work remotely, you know, we'll bring down grandpa and grandma. So I I think that's going to become the norm. And it's going to put a ton of pressure on, on you know, housing, on vacation properties down here. The other trend that I've discovered that a lot of people, not a lot of people are really talking about, but I think is going to be huge, is um, the Caribbean diaspora. So um, there's people that you know, grew up in the Caribbean or have roots in the Caribbean because their parents were born here that live in, you know, Miami, New York, Toronto, London, England, these are kind of the centers where you see a large, you know, Caribbean populations. And a lot of them are now thinking, you know, um, well, first of all, they can work remote. So they're going to kind of add to that work remote um, part to you know spend time down here, vacation down here, visit family down here. But I'm also hearing a lot of people in their 60s, or in their 20s and 30s, that say, I'm going to leave London, England and go retire, you know, where I'm from or where my family's from, or I'm going to leave Miami and, and start a family in, you know, Antigua. I have a buddy in Miami who I met here, who's, you know, he's waiting for an excuse to leave Miami and, and move down here. And I've talked to him a lot about it. And there's just a lot of people doing that. So yeah, a lot of, a lot of families are going to are going come here, set up either to work remote or just live here. So Um, I see that as a, as an opportunity and it's going to really shift the market down here.
1: Cool. And yeah, I mean, even as basic, like you mentioned earlier, just internet, right? Great internet (laughs) is such a difference maker for that, that whole, everything you just said there without internet, without quality internet that's usable, it's not really possible. And given the fact that it's only just become that possible in like the last two years in a lot of these places, or, or not even yet, maybe in some of the smaller ones. Um, those are big opportunities. That's a massive, massively yeah, different landscape for real estate when that happens, right? And it's, the opportunities are so much different. And, and, and so it's cool. Um, I'm excited to to, to work on a lot and, and 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 help with you. And uh, it's gonna be fun. Uh, a lot more reasons to come here. Having more reasons to come here is always awesome. Uh, that can't hurt. Yep. And. And you know, you mentioned you're you're talking to a lot of different people here. I I've certainly seen you've you've got some great connections down here now. It hasn't taken you too long to get up and going. And you know, we were talking about this over the last few months and just you know, how how we can how we can help others do the same and learn more. And and uh, you know, one of those things ended up being a, a show, a podcast that you're putting together. So let uh let us know about that. What is what's going on with that? And um What's it called, where people can learn more, et cetera? Uh, what's up with the podcast?
0: Well, you know, it was your idea. You suggested it <laughs> and uh, and it took me about four it took me about four minutes to agree to it because I think it's a really great idea. Um, and so that was a few months ago. And since then, yeah, i've been I've been talking to people about the concept, and there's just a lot of first of all there's a lot of knowledge here right there's there's a lot of people with experience in real estate um, some that are already investing uh, a lot of people in construction and and development but i feel a lot of a lot of it's disconnected and um and then there's a lot of young people who are eager to invest that live in the caribbean Um, a lot of young entrepreneurs that want to get into investing and, you know, they're listening to podcasts in Canada and the United States, but the, the information just isn't 100 percent relevant. Right. And, and I really I really believe there's an opportunity to have a platform to bring people on that live in the Caribbean and and, and know the Caribbean to share their knowledge and, and um, share information about their island and share information about what they're doing down here. And so, um, yeah, the response I've seen, you know, I've, I've received has been overwhelmingly positive. Um, people are pretty excited about it and I'm excited to to host it. I, I, I can't wait to, I, it's a great opportunity for me to learn. Right. So, um, I think it's going to be a, uh, yeah. And I, I, haven't really seen anybody doing it. Like you see some drips and drabs, but one of the things that you explained to me years ago is that, you know, the first, I don't know, three years of your podcast, it was, you know, maybe not crickets, but you weren't getting a ton of traction, but it's your consistency. And, and you just kept pushing through. And after five, six, seven years, it started to blow up, right? You're, the, you're, you're hosting the largest um, real estate investing podcast in Canada. and uh, So, yeah, I'm excited to kind of plug into to what you're doing, Sandy, and, and, uh, and kind of follow your lead on this and, and look at what you've done kind of as a template and do the same down here in the Caribbean and bring on some great guests. It's a great opportunity
1: for sure. It's a, it's a it's a actually a no brainer when we looked more yeah. deep into it, right? And the the opportunities there. And the coolest thing too, I think, I was thinking about this as you were talking, was that the the internet thing and just the fact of people. It's not only people coming here that can tap into that, but locals that have lived here for however long, grew up on a different sort of technology internet sort of landscape where maybe they weren't streaming through TikTok or Instagram all day long. Like a lot of young, uh, younger um, uh, Canadians might have had the opportunity to do for, for 10 years at this point, 15 years, a lot of, a lot of the, you, you get connected around the world so much when you do that, you have opportunities to connect with entrepreneurs, real estate investors, people in other parts of the world that are doing cool things. And it, a lot of times that inspires, you know, the locals here that I, I can see that being very inspiring for them to maybe, strive for more than they originally thought that they wanted to do, maybe do some other cool things, take some of that knowledge and pour back into their local communities here. And, yeah. um, and ultimately, ultimately, and it's a not necessarily a good word all the time, I guess, in this case, I'm saying it as a positive, but just grow, grow, the grow the investment opportunities, grow the, grow the country's economies, um, create more opportunity for, for their, next generations and so on. And I think that's something that can can really happen pretty quick here uh, over the next, you know, bunch of years. And um, yeah, that's going to be cool yeah. to play out. I think uh, it's ex- it'll be exciting to, I, I know you're going to get a lot of those type of guests on the show and learn about where, where their heads at, what they're doing, what they've, what they've learned here, how, how, how it all works to invest in, in the Caribbean. And, you know, I think that's going to be really, really friggin' fun and exciting. Yeah. So I'm looking uh, yeah. forward to it. what's what's what? Uh, do, have you nailed down the name yeah. yet? Is it, is, do you have the
0: yeah? It? Um, keep it simple, uh, Caribbean real estate investing podcast, um, yeah. or or even just Caribbean real estate podcast, because I, I think it's also going to be around first-time home ownership. Um, you know, talking about I, I I'd love to. You know, one thing I actually love down here is the Caribbean has its own aesthetic. That like I, I sometimes see people building these crazy modern properties and you look at them, there's like no time at all. Right. You, you feel like I don't know, you feel like you're in a Palm Springs Villa and it just it just doesn't fit down here. So, um, yeah, I'd love to even bring designers and architects on the show. I've talked to a few. Um, as you were saying, this one person came to mind that I spoke with and, and has agreed to do this. His name is Selwyn Cambridge. And he's running an incubator in Barbados. He's got a twenty thousand square foot facility. It's called Ten Habitat, and he launched, I think, about five years ago. But and and it's just the interest that he's received from young people is incredible. And he, he and he's explained to me that you know a lot of a lot of these entrepreneurs aren't trying to reinvent the wheel. And I think the opportunity down here. Is to take technology or take you know, existing businesses that work well in Canada, the United States and kind of adapt them to the Caribbean because there's different challenges. And a lot of these startups that he's working with, you know, they don't need hundreds of thousands of dollars of funding. And their ideas aren't you know, risky. They're basically just, you know, take looking at businesses that work, you know, back home or, or in Canada, the United States, and uh, make them happen here. So I think there's going to be a real entrepreneur, um, explode entrepreneurship explosion that's going to happen here, um, starting with more developed islands, but really all over the Caribbean. And I'm excited to you know participate in that and, and connect with people who are doing that. Um, you know, not just in the real estate space, but you know, in the real estate space. So I think it's uh, it's going to be fun. I uh, I'm pumped. It's going to be awesome. And you know, by the time uh,
1: this is you know someone's listening to this, you know, hopefully. We'll have some links or so, somewhere for people to connect in the show notes or something around where they can learn more about that show and um, and uh, and go check it out and, and engage further with you and your audience. Uh, one thing sure. we do on the on the Breakthrough uh, Real Estate Investing Podcast, we always ask some our guests what is one piece of advice that they would say has always stuck with them and they've learned you know to to adapt in their businesses. And uh, what's that for you? What's the what's what's a great piece of advice that's always
0: stuck with you? Um, I'll share two. One, one that's just one that's been kind of amazing to not just hear, but watch is a good friend of mine has a plaque on her wall and it says, you know, buy land, they're not making any more of it. Mark Twain, everyone knows the quote, but what stuck with, with me wasn't just the quote, but watching this person and how consistent they've been about their investing strategy and um and hasn't really deviated from it you know nose to the grindstone buying teardowns and not tearing them down and just you know acquiring more and more land and you know that's not a strategy for everyone but it's worked very well for this person and this investor so that, that's one thing is you know stay focused and, and kind of pick your niche and, and and you know stay with it um the other concept that i i've i've I understood 10 years ago, but I I probably didn't implement it. You know, like if I look back now, I could have implemented a lot better. And that's um, finding a way to continue growing your real estate portfolio exponentially, holding on to um, real estate long term with positive cash flow, really to build generational wealth. And it's a lot easier said than done. Um, I know some people who've done it very well in Canada, including yourself, Sandy, and it's been impressive to watch people grow these, you know, hundred, two hundred thousand hundred, 200,000 door portfolios. Um, I'm excited about cracking that nut down here and finding a way to do that here. And, you know, the fund is one way to do that, but, but I I can think of a few ways to start building that kind of, um, you know, building a portfolio and helping others build generational wealth with Caribbean real, real estate. So that's, uh, yeah, that that's one thing that that excites me and that uh, and really kind of kind of stuck with me that uh, you know, real estate is just such a great vehicle to to uh, to uh, yeah change change your life and, and change the life of your uh, family members. So
1: awesome, man! It can happen really fast. Uh, it was yeah. you know, you never you know, it just the the timing. Of, I mean depends on markets they shift and up and downs. but it can it can ultimately happen a lot faster than most people think and so um cool it's exciting thanks for sharing so much here i'm looking behind me i'm feeling a bit of sun on the on my back i think we got an ocean to go go hit up or something like that i think we got i think we got some other activities here so um before we go do that how's the how's the how, how should people interact with you how can they reach out or learn more about all this
0: um, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn, you know, just Dan Merriam. Um, and uh, I uh, check my Instagram once in a while, Dan dot um, so that's uh, that's an easy one to find. And um, but yeah, you can you can email me, um, Dan at the strathconagroup but uh, I'm pretty easy to find. So uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. I, 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 uh, I started having a lot more conversations with people back home who've reached out to me. You know, it's easy to get excited about. Caribbean real estate investing and, um, yeah, I'm starting to make a lot of those, uh, have a lot of those conversations. So yeah, feel free to do that.
1: Cool. Uh, awesome stuff. Thank you so much for doing this. This was fun. I've learned lots. Hopefully, uh, whoever's listening has learned a lot as well. So, um, yeah, thank you and, uh, best of luck with the show. Looking forward to it growing and, uh, seeing it,
0: uh, seeing where it goes. Absolutely, man. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Caribbean Real Estate Podcast. If you enjoyed today's show, be sure to subscribe and like our content so you don't miss our next episode. Thanks for tuning in.